0: Good morning, everybody. Okay, we can do better than that. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Ken. Yeah, that's great. Remember, we've got coffee afterwards, so uh, you, uh, looking forward to that. I, I certainly am. Um, and uh, But also probably much more looking forward to God's word this morning as we continue in our series on James. I want to talk about taming the tongue. Heard of the story, and, and some of you have heard me tell this story before, but it. It captures something so significant um, that I just have to tell it again. A a young boy who didn't know who his dad was was growing up in a small Tennessee town. And uh, actually what happened is years later, um, this old man is in that same Tennessee town talking to a young couple in a restaurant. And he starts telling them the story of his life and how... He was in that town, and he didn't know who his dad was. His mom was a single, unmarried woman it was years ago, and so there was just this huge stigma, all this name-calling over his life. And, and, and these words were like wounds, open wounds in his life. And so he started acting out these words that were deposited into him. And then he told this young couple, you know, then a preacher came to town. And people started talking about how this preacher spoke. And I got curious because more and more people we're going every Sunday to listen in this small town to the town's new preacher. And so he tried to find out a little bit. And, you know, what does he talk about? Well, he talks about God and Jesus and God loves you. And that, yeah, you've got to deal with the stuff in your life and turn to him and trust him. And he says, well, what, how do, how's that different to the guy who was there before? They said, we don't know, but it just is different. And so he went to church and he stuck in at the back so he didn't have to talk to anyone and nobody had to call him names or anything like that. And he slipped into the back and he listened. And then just as the final hymn was being announced, he slipped out again. And the next Sunday he went back and he did the same thing. And several Sundays, he'd go into church and he'd listened to these words. <laughs> and something different was happening inside of him as he listened to this new preacher. And one Sunday, he got so caught up in the message that he forgot to slip out. And instead of announcing the hymn, the preacher walked straight down to the back row and said at the top of his voice, boy, whose son are you? And everybody turned And looked at him and they all knew that he didn't know the answer. The preacher looked at the congregation, looked at the boy and then slowly said, I can see a distinct family resemblance. I know whose son you are. You are a son of God. The old man looked at the young couple. And he said you know those words changed my life Those words changed my life And then he left the diner And the restaurant owner came over and said Do you know who you were talking to? And they said No See, that was Ben Hooper, the two-term governor of the state of Tennessee. Those words changed my life. Let's go to James chapter 3. We're looking at James. Two main themes, be complete or whole. In other words, have integrity in every way. From the Greek word teleos and telos, uh, significantly used seven times in the letter, but rooted in the idea of wholeheartedness loving the Lord with your whole heart uh from the old testament and then when you're doing this you easily fulfill this perfect law that gives freedom uh or you do torah so james 3 verse 1 not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers not talking about the career out there that some of you nobly do but the dodgy thing that i'm doing right now which is uh because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And there is a sense. And when you've been given much, and, and this is a place of being given much. Given much by the Lord and being given much by his people who entrust to you the privilege of teaching. That we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is teleos, is perfect, is complete, mature. And they're able to keep their whole body in check. You see, when we put into the mouths of horses, uh, bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of your life on fire and is itself (laughs) set on fire by hell. Nice, eh? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness or image. So out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can fresh, both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Words. Taming the, our tongues. Taming our tongues. So, an Englishman and Funamava and an Aussie were boasting about the size of their farms, and the Englishman said, My farm is so big, it takes me three hours to walk from one side to the other. And Funamava obviously wanted to have a bigger farm. He says, My farm is so big, it takes me three hours. To drive from one side to the other. To which the Australian said, My farm is so big it takes me three days to drive from one end to the other. And Van said, Yeah, I also had a bucky like that. <laughs> We always want to have the last say. We always want to have the final word. We always worry about how our words will make us look and we get ourselves into big trouble. So like an example of the power of what words can do for good and the power of what words can do for harm. You see, the passage is very clear. Your tongue can direct your destiny. James says that our tongues set the course of our lives. And he uses two illustrations. The first is that of the bit in the mouth of the horse that enables you to steer and direct the horse. The other, the rudder that moves the ship and harnesses the power of the wind so that you don't end up wrecked on a reef, but rather you reach your intended destination. And both point to the influence of an object being out of all proportion to its size. And you can think of your life, you can think of so much... And this little muscle in your mouth has an influence beyond all proportion to its size. Likewise, the tongue. And so your tongue can determine your destiny. Now, there's many examples, but Numbers 13 through 14 probably provides one of the most dramatic ones. You see, Joshua's 12 spies are helping the the young nation of Israel uh, check out the promised land. And they return after their spying expedition, and they agree on one thing, basically they say, "The land is great." I mean, it's amazing. It took two men to carry one bunch of grapes. Now either they're very small men, or they very big grapes." <laughs> Verse 10, they all say, "The land is great," but then, 10 of them say, "But the people there are far too big and strong." Joshua and Caleb say, the land is great. Let's go. We can do it. God has made a promise and these guys are too big to miss. Come on, let's go. And the people ignore Josh and Caleb and follow the words of the 10. And they begin to grumble against Moses and against Aaron. And listen to what they say in chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. If only we had died in Egypt. Wow. But wait. All in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Cut a long story short. 26 verses later in verse 28 God says to them in God says to them numbers 14. I will do to you For you, the very things I heard you say. What did they say? If only we died in the desert. And sadly, tragically, that's exactly what happened to them. Your tongue can direct and determine your destiny, it's like a rudder. And so people spent their time grumbling. (laughs) Joshua and Caleb spent their time grabbing hold of the promises of God. They all got what they said. Joshua and Caleb got the victory that they declared. And the rest of that generation sadly died in the desert as they had preferred. So the question is, where is my tongue taking me? Where is your tongue taking you today as we exit COVID and re-enter a new world that's not going to go back to what it was before? Critically, the second thing is that your tongue not only determines your destiny, but it reveals the condition of your soul and of your heart. See, Jesus said, Matthew 12, verse 34, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So not only does your tongue determine your destiny, but your tongue is linked to that which you most deeply want, desire, and you tend to just verbalize it unintentionally, even when you don't want it. Eventually, it's going to come out. There's a preacher called Derek Prince, and he was a medical orderly in a dysentery station, lovely, in North Africa in World War II. He was a young man, and he described how he had to do the most grim stuff, but he would watch the doctor come in, and the doctor had like so much that they had to get through. And in that particular medical condition, the doctor would literally walk in and just, he wouldn't ask, how are you? He'd say, show me your tongue. And the guy would have to ah, you know, and do that big, you know, tonsil reveal. And the diagnosis was made by examining the tongue. And when I come to God so often, when my life needs some diagnostics, I just need to pause and listen to what I've said in the last 24 hours. Show me your tongue. Show me. Your tongue. If God were to say to me, Craig, show me your tongue, what would the Spirit show me about my heart? See, the condition of my soul is laid bare by an inspection of my tongue. Proverbs 13, verse 3 He who guards his lips guards his soul. He who speaks rashly will come to ruin. And the soul is the very depth of who we are, according to scripture. And So verse 37 says, by your words you will be acquitted, by your words you will be condemned. That's what Jesus said. So words are powerful and we need to take them seriously. Words can be your salvation, words can be your damnation. Proverbs 1821 was used in the pre-meeting, "The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit." Or, as Hillary told us, "Go for it." Words kill. Words give life. Either or fruit. Words kill, words give life. They either either poison or they fruit. So you choose. So I want to get to some practical application. One of, we often think then that one of the best ways to change our words is to change our hearts. But the Bible has a mutual relationship between the two. One of the best ways to change your heart is to change your words. And I'm going to get to a a strong scripture, but Romans chapter 10 is going to tell us that even our salvation itself is based on what we confess. So that we are changed by the power of what we say and declare to be true about Jesus. So the third thing in our passage is that the Bible assumes that we've blown it, that our tongues keep getting us into big trouble. Once being an air traffic controller, I I still love airline stories and, uh, and that kind of thing. And I once heard of a stewardess who quite early in an international flight ran into the cockpit, closed the door and said, I need to sit here for 10 hours. And the crew said to her, what's the story? She said, I just went to a good looking man in business class and said, after we drink, what would you like to take off? After we take off, what would you like to drink? (laughs) I know someone else who sometimes swaps their words around. (laughs) One of the things with this is if we want to change our hearts, we need to change our words. The passage assumes that there's this Potential for harm, but it recognises there's also this potential for life, and and so there are many images that can go either way. But James is very clear that we have to recognise how damaging, destructive words can be to us and to others. So there's this tiny spark that can incinerate a forest. He then compares it to these wild animals. Seemingly that man can tame, and yet there is this wild animal between our lips that we just can't tame. And then he talks about a polluted spring, in which the water once mixed in can't be isolated again. So if you've got a freshwater spring and you chuck the salt in, suddenly the whole thing is a salty spring. Remember, integrity, wholeheartedness, single-mindedness, not double-minded and half-hearted is going to be the theme of this whole book. And so he's explaining that when we start mixing these two together, we don't end up with something half good. We end up with something completely useless and destructive again. Could take a lot of time, and I'm not going to. How do we? How do we blow it? We talk too quickly. We talk too much. We lie. We criticize. A lady walked in uh, to hospital, and she was waiting for the doctor. The doctor was going to give her her husband's diagnosis, and the doctor came across and said, "Ma'am, I really don't like the look of him." And she said, "I don't either, but he's really good with the kids." So. We criticize very easily, we gossip, we flatter, we boast, we whine, we grumble, we curse. We need to be so careful when we get into these things. Because we might be cursing someone whom God has chosen to bless. Now think about it. Who has God chosen to bless? Abraham got a clue in Genesis 12 and verse 3. All nations, all peoples will be blessed through you. We have to be so careful that we don't speak a curse against those whom God has chosen to bless through his people one of the things that was very evident in the ministry of Jesus is how quickly people spoke against Jesus and they lost the blessing of the kingdom and of his ministry. And so we've got to be really careful, for example, when there's a renewal or a revival or something that's happening in the life of God that we don't understand or we haven't experienced yet. And the easiest thing to do in that space is to find fault because we don't understand. And what do we do? With one mouth we bless, and with that same mouth we start to curse things that God may be using. God may be blessing. Now, I'm not saying we are not discerning. And that we don't question, but we have to be careful how we frame our questions, how we look at this, and don't jump to the conclusion that this just can't be God or whatever it is, or that this person can't be used of God, or that this person will never change, or that this person is going to stay the way they are. I've learned long ago that God doesn't ask my permission to bless people. He just has a wonderful, wonderful heart. And he may want to use people and work in their lives in ways that I don't understand, and he does not need my approval or my my permission. And so here's what I've learned. I go, God, I bless what you're doing. Help me see it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, a genuinely... I bless whatever you're doing. Help me see it. I want to do with you what you're doing. So back to Proverbs. I want to, I want to wrap this up positively. Kind words, Proverbs 15 verse 4, heal and help. Cutting words, wound and maim. You see, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perverted tongue or a twisted tongue crushes the spirit. Sure. Like if my tongue is this twisted, dual, you know, thing, I can crush a spirit with my tongue. Literally, the soothing tongue, this is the way it can be translated more literally. A healed tongue is a tree of life. But if there is perverseness, it breaches the spirit. But conversely, so one brings healing and that same thing can cause harm. Proverbs 13 verse 3, careful words make for a careful life, but careless talks, talk can ruin everything. So, How do we take this forward? Number one, we've got to keep reading in the book of James. The next few verses are just critical. We're not going to go there today. So teaser for next week. But one of the things is that I need to know and internalize, and we need to know and internalize that God really, really loves us, that mercy triumphs over justice, that God is willing to put fresh water and cleanse out of me everything that would pollute and defile and compromise what is coming out of my life. God will wash away the salt. God will make the bad tree good. God is able to change. Jesus says... That if you want to change the fruit, you change the tree. God is able to do that. The other thing is, and James has already said this be quick to listen, slow to speak. So make a point of really listening, ask good questions. And then as you speak, carry an awareness of what your words will do in the people who hear you. It's amazing that uh, you know, modern sociology and psychology and therapy are catching up and we're getting into this idea of emotional intelligence. So your EQ is, is, is when not just when you understand your own emotions, but when you understand the emotional impact that you have on others. It's not just that you've got yourself sorted. It's that you fully own and understand how who you are makes other people feel and what your words do to them or don't. So it's lovely that they're catching up with Scripture. Because Scripture says, speak that which inspires, encourages, nurtures, comforts. You see, kindness brings real change. And so decide to build great people by using good words. The Bible says we build people with words. Now, we miss it because we use English and we use words like edify. But the word edify means to feed and make grow. Or even more, it is the sense of putting on a foundation and building. So you build a body by feeding it. But you build a building and it's using the same word by laying a foundation and then, grow, and then you know, going through the whole civil process of making this thing happen. We have the power to build lives through our words one brick at a time. so we can recognize what we are helping others become and build by giving them the building material that they want to use for the rest of their lives. Those words changed my life. God built the world with words. And he still saves the world through the word. And we know the word, the person of Jesus, through the word of preaching. In other words, what people tell us. And then in these moments we can speak blessing over people and over communities I don't know why it is, but somehow people are afraid that if others become more, we will become less. But that's a poverty mindset. It's a scarcity mentality. It means that there's only so much goodness to go around. And if I give goodness away, well, then somehow I'm going to miss out. No, no. See, the Bible has an abundance mentality. In which when you sow something, that seed will go into the ground and even though it looks like it dies, that thing will grow and produce a harvest and it can produce 30 or 60 or 100 fold. And when we will begin to sow and sow and sow again, we will see literally the world around us begin to change because of what we have spoken over and blessed People do not become, sorry, we do not become less because others are becoming more. We become richer when they prosper, thrive, are edified, strengthened, comforted, and encouraged. And your words literally build that into their lives. You see, Romans 10 verse 17, promised you we'd get there, says this. Faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ and in case you're thinking I'm just sort of like using theological concepts a few verses earlier from verse 8 to 10 this is what it says Paul is referencing Moses in the Old Testament he says what does it say the word is near you it is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. So if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. Your tongue can determine your destiny and most profoundly it is rooted in the person of Jesus and whether you have come to the place where you will before others confess him and own him as your Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so our scripture invites us today not just to guard our lives by guarding our lips Not just to tame our tongue, but actually to harness it for blessing and good. And so as we're going to come next week, we'll see actually a stark contrast between what James as a wisdom teacher will bring us insight versus the danger of what he sees in the world around him. But God is inviting us literally to have a flow, a flow of words that come from the integrity of who we are. That brings healing, hope, transformation in our own life and in the people around us. Let's pray together. Why don't you stand with me? You don't have to open your mouths, but maybe just let the Lord ask you this, show me your tongue. Lord, we've been reminded this morning of the incredible, beautiful potential that words of life can bring all around us. Father, we want to confess that at times we've used that which you have meant for so much good and we have caused harm. Thank you for the gift of words, thank you for their power to change lives. This morning I ask you, start with me. So maybe just pray this, Father God, what words of life, of comfort and strength, What fresh spring do you want to speak to me this morning? What new flow do you want to release in me right now? Just listen. We know that Jesus communed with the Father, but one of the first words he spoke over the life of Jesus was, you are mine, you are my child, you are my son, I love you, I am so pleased with you. Maybe in spite of everything today, you need faith to believe that God is willing and ready, and here, and present, speaking words of kindness, forgiveness, affirmation, healing, and freedom over your life. And so just tell him, Father, thank you, I receive your words today. I believe your words today. and I open up my heart and my mind and my soul and my spirit for the entrance of your words. Make me clean, make me fresh, make me safe, make me healing. Make me a channel of your peace, your hope, your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want you to just stay a little bit longer. I bless you to know. Bless you to know. Open up your heart. It's just a summary of Scripture. That you have been made in God's image. Father, I receive your words into my heart, my mind, my soul, and my spirit, even my body itself. Bless you to know that you have been made in God's image, that your design created and purposed by God is very good. That your values saw Jesus leave heaven to die for you, to reclaim and restore you. Bless you to know that his plans for you will make you flourish. And that he has firmly purposed to reveal himself to you. And to reveal himself through you. Amen.